Today's episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing. Based in Monavale on City's northern beaches, they're purveyors in fine Australian craft beer. Be sure to check them out online and get your order in. Today on the podcast, we'll be joined by Reese Hodge, the former Manly Marlin, now turned Melbourne Rebel and Australian Wallaby. Reese has got some fantastic insight into his progression through the club scene, through Colts and in grade, and I know he's got some great insight into the professional game. Really looking forward to this one. This is Shootcast. Welcome to episode 5 of Shootcast. Joining me on the line is Reese Hodge, fresh from his training session with the Rebels. Hodgie, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. It's uh, good to be back at training. We're uh, back into full contact today, so shoulders and neck will be nice and sore tomorrow. But no, nah, it's good to be back around the boys. As you can imagine, you always miss a bit of banter when you're away. So, Mate, uh, you've, you've had a uh, pretty interesting sort of uh, six months personally, obviously coming off the World Cup and um, re-signing with Australian Rugby. You must have been in a pretty good state of mind for this coming season, and then obviously uh, the world shut down a bit. So uh, it's, it's, it must be a uh, be, be a refreshing to, to finally be getting going again. Yeah, it's been a bit of a weird one to be honest, mate. As you said, obviously kind of committed long term to um, Australian rugby um, after the World Cup, and you know obviously love the lifestyle in Australia and um, really want Australian rugby to be in a good place. So as you said, I was really looking forward to the season and. Yeah, it's been obviously a bit of a spanner for everyone, but um, I guess now all we can do is kind of focus on um, the next kind of 10 to 12-week block, whichever, um, whatever's announced in terms of scheduling for um, what Super Rugby looks like going forward. Um, I think everyone's pretty keen to obviously have a bit of an announcement and, and a bit of a carrot for all the training. I think it's pretty tough to get up every day for uh, for training at the moment when there's not exactly a, a clear competition going forward. But I think once that's announced, uh, the boys will have kind of something to, to aim towards and, um, yeah, training can be a bit more specific to that. But, um, yeah, obviously you can't complain. We're still at a job and best job in the world. So it's good to be back out there. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So how has it been um, staying motivated? Obviously, it's been a bit, obviously, could be quite difficult not knowing sort of what's going on. But yourself, you've been training hard through the whole through the whole uh, through the whole period yeah I tried to kind of use it as a bit of a um, individual training block I guess as in a professional rugby setup it's, it's very very rare that you get more than you know one or two sessions at a time to actually focus on um, I guess your work ons from from coaching staff both at the national and super rugby level so um, for me one of those specifically was my speed and and agility and then um, there's a few other ones kind of skill-wise, but in terms of being able to work one-on-one with a few coaches um, to work on my speed and power, I kind of tried to use it as a um, yeah, as a real quality block to, to get that work in, and uh, I did quite get quite a lot out of it. So I was lucky enough that one of the uh, Wallaby Speed and Strength and Conditioning coaches is based um, up near Manly where I was for most of the, uh, the lockdown and um, got a fair few... Uh, one-on-one sessions in with him and, and really enjoyed it so um, yeah I guess I was kind of lucky in that regard but kind of kept me motivated. Yeah absolutely we uh, certainly some of the locals saw you training down there pretty regularly it was nice to be to be around your old stomping ground mate. Yeah it was it was very good obviously uh, missed the village green especially on a, a Rats Marlins derby day but um, 
no, it's uh, obviously a pretty good lifestyle to be able to obviously do a, a training session down at Manly Oval, go duck in the ocean for a swim afterwards and then um, have the, the kind of gym access that I was um, kind of allowed through some equipment from, from J-Train, obviously one of the uh, the Manly favourites, the old strength and conditioning coach down there. But, um, yep. Yep. yeah, it was uh, – couldn't have, couldn't have asked for much better weather or, um, you know, the ocean was bloody clear when I was back as well. So it was uh, pretty much just training in paradise. So I had to create a bit of a positive spin on on the whole kind of lockdown and isolation stuff. But I think uh, it's it's not the worst job to to have when you're you're in uh, isolation is to be training outside in the sun every day, I guess. You grew up on the beaches. When when did you sort of steer yourself uh, into rugby? Obviously, your dad's got a rich history in the game, especially from a community sense. But is that pretty much how you sort of steered into rugby? But I know you you followed a number of sports, and you're a very uh, very active sportsman in your youth. Uh, how did you sort of get into sport from from that early age? Um, yeah, I guess I was just whatever my mates were doing from from a really young age. I think I started soccer down at Curly when I was four, um, four or five. Um, played a couple of years of that, and then started started uh, rugby at the Hubbard Harlequins in the under sevens, uh, which is kind of my dad and um, a few other local local dads kind of felt like there was a bit of a uh, a market for a new club around Harbour where we were mm-hmm. living at the time, and um, yeah, started out in under sevens there, and also dabbled in a bit of uh, AFL and league and stuff. Um, as well as cricket in summer so it was just yeah mate just standard kid whatever your mates are doing you want to go along and have a try and um, obviously winning's pretty pretty fun when you're a kid so that's all you want to do just want to grow up and, yeah. and be your, be like your idols in those sports so um, yeah just always active and chucking a footy or a ball around of some sort. I think um, there's always been a lot of chat about parents now and kids and, and, and you know, whether they specialise on sports, but um, seemingly more of the science is coming out that the more sports the better, which is obviously something that you uh, you sort of uh, throughout your, your, your teenage years, um, you, you grasp that concept. But um, you did have to make a decision at some point there between sort of um, rugby and cricket were probably your two pr- prominent sports at, at one stage or another, correct? Yeah, it was kind of about sort of under 17s, 18s when – um, it was kind of in the what the wider Sydney, New South Wales kind of um, under seventeen squad for cricket, and then um, kind of got the I think it was actually eighteen, yeah, I got the kind of offer to go into the national academy um, for rugby, which it was yeah. back then, um, based out at Moore Park, and was kind of the first full time, um, well, sort of full time part time kind of gig that I was offered, and. Um, it was actually rugby season when I was offered it, so I think they kind of struck while the iron was hot, and um, I was enjoying my rugby at the point. So, yeah, chose rugby over cricket. Yeah, I guess the cricketing uh, heroes are well entrenched in young Australian sportsmen. So the allure of the baggy greens, one thing, but it, mate, it's good to hear you. You loved your rugby. Um, you uh, you ended up uh, going to a local Manly sort of selective school at, at Manly High, so you know that's an academic based school. So obviously your studies are obviously uh, critical to um, your application as well as your sport. Yeah, for sure. I think mum and dad were were pretty. Um, yeah, you know, they didn't force me into it, but they were you know very heavily encouraged me to study hard. Obviously, one injury and, and you never know what can happen with your sporting career. So. Um, mm. Yeah, it was was pretty focused on trying to get into uni and get the best marks possible, so that I could kind of go off and choose whichever course I kind of wanted to go into. Um, 
so yeah, it was, uh, I think it was actually quite a good balance, you know, being quite heavily into sport. You're not kind of sitting in the books all day. It was kind of a bit of a trade off. Like you'd go, go to footy training or cricket training for two or three hours and then come home and get a bit of study in. I was lucky that, you know, mum always had dinner ready, uh, when I was home. So it made it a bit easier, but, um, yeah, it felt like it was a quite a good balance going through high school. Um, mm. but yeah, I think, I think, I think I struggled to get back into the books now that, um, I've got a bit of a taste of, you know, training outside and, and in the gym all day. But yeah, back then it was yeah. uh, pretty important to me. Yeah, absolutely. You're obviously in um, peak high performance now, but um, you keep an eye on on career after after sport. Obviously, it's uh, one of those common things in the sporting landscape about about players. Um, you know, that probably haven't kept their options open as much. And once, once the footy career ends, it's sort of uh, been a difficult transition. Uh, I know the, you know, world sport are a bit more accustomed to that. Is that something that, you know, through the Rebels and Wallabies, you, you, you keep an eye on, um, you know, as your sporting career continues to, to blossom, you still got an idea of um, what's maybe happening in the corporate world once you, once the, once the boots are up officially? Yeah, for sure. They, they heavily encourage guys to have stuff going on outside of rugby, you know, whether that's study or, you know, work experience and um, to be honest with you, I've probably um, kind of dipped my feet into a couple of courses over the past few years and kind of mm. found that um, this far out, hopefully I, I, you don't never know how much longer you've got in professional sport, but hopefully I've got at least another five years in me. Um, so I'm kind of at the point now where I don't really want to um, specialise in something that might not be of interest to me and, you know, five or six sure. years' time. So I'm kind of more going along the lines of just trying to get some experience in, in a few different kind of aspects of life and a few different um, kind of sides of business and um, then kind of be able to make a, an informed decision in a few years' time of what I want to focus on um, when I do finish up. So um, for me at the moment, it's, I'm probably leaning towards something in the kind of um, you know, strength and conditioning kind of skills coaching kind of um, space. Yeah. But then again, I might have a change of heart in a few years. So I don't want to, yeah, as I say, specialise too soon. But, yeah, it's definitely something that, that all guys who are playing rugby at the moment um, definitely encouraged to have something going on outside of um, footy. So just stepping back um, from uh, your junior career, you stepped into the Manly Colts uh, program and, um you had some some great success, but uh, you you took a team all the way to the grand final with a with a couple of really good players. And one of your teammates down there, Matt Phillip, um, was also in that side, and a number of other very strong uh, grade players to come. And you had a uh, grand final against Sydney University, and uh, it wasn't the day you wanted. You you, you suffered um, a, a very big injury. Uh, without bringing back that so specifically, but you want to talk us through that day and, and obviously um you know you sat out the next year but uh you know the injury itself and, and coming back was, was quite a quite a big thing for you because if you if you look back at how, how significant injury it was to, to get to where you are now it's um it's quite the story so your recollections of, of that period in Colts and and obviously the the uh, disappointing end to that to that season uh yeah obviously it was a uh, pretty once in a generation kind of Colts team that one um we had you know, five, six, seven guys who have now got on to play professionally all in the in the one kind of under-20s team is, is pretty rare, I reckon. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, we were pretty – we won the minor premiership and obviously had a, quite a good year and got to the grand final and we're feeling pretty confident. And then uh, it was pretty much a perfect storm of stuff that uh, went wrong, I yeah. think. I was uh, – 
you know, about 10 minutes in and broke the ankle. And um, then five minutes later, uh, Molokai, who's, who's obviously now playing for the Waratahs, um, got a red card for a bit of a spear tackle. So that was uh, unfortunate, obviously playing without your, your 10 and 12 who'd been there for the whole season um, and one player down for the rest of the match. And then I think uh, well, I was obviously a morphine on the sideline and then on the way to, to hospital. Um, but, yeah, ended up losing 36-35, uh, playing with 14 men for 70 minutes. So uh, obviously not the greatest end to the season, but it was what it was. Um, I still yeah. think John, John yeah. O'Harvey's probably still not over it, our old uh, Colts coach. But, yeah, obviously coming back to sitting out 2014, um, the, the whole year with the injury was – was kind of quite tough obviously um guys that i played a lot of junior footy with seeing them kind of take the next step and graduate into into super rugby um while i was kind of sitting there doing nothing was was pretty tough mentally but um yeah it did give me a chance to work on um you know some stuff in the gym and and actually you know it's a bit of a cliche but genuinely come back stronger and and fitter and faster so um to have you know 13 or 14 months to work on stuff, you know, away from, from getting the contact of the game and um, being sore week to week was uh, probably a bit of a blessing in disguise and, um, yeah, managed to come back um, sort of through sevens at, at the end of 2014, started 2015 and it ended up being quite a, a good reintroduction into footy for me and gave me a bit of a springboard into the 2015 Shoot Shield season. Yeah, no, I, I remember it fondly, obviously, being in and around the club. And you're right, that grand final was a real car crash early on, but the boys did so well to almost uh, even win win the game. But um, from there, you're right, I, I remember you obviously missing out a lot of your representative opportunities in, in the 20s in the 2014 season. But we're always the first guy training at the gym and, and, and really putting in um, a lot of that time to get fit for that 2015 season. And, and you're right, you you use the um, Club 7s uh uh, program as as a real way of getting back into into first grade and pushing your case. Obviously, you had to make manly first grade first, which which you which you did through some great performances in the sevens and ended up having a a really enjoyable year in in 2015. How, how enjoyable was that year um, playing for the Marlins in first grade? You know, they're also a very strong side with with a lot of local guys. Yeah, to be honest, it was probably. Uh, probably just pipped the Colts here, I reckon, for the for the most enjoyable um, of my career to this point. I think, obviously, everyone likes to win, and we we had quite a successful year. Minor premiers again, another grand final loss, which is uh, yeah. a bit of a bit of a trend for me at the Marlins. Unfortunately, I think I was zero and three in grand finals, but um, yeah, no, it was uh, we had some quality quality players who had been around the first grade scene for for quite a few years, so it was. Um, a bit of a, a kind of good spot for us to be in, in in terms of a mix of experience and, and youth and guys coming through the ranks. So, um, yeah, obviously ended up growing quite close to a lot of the guys I played with in that team. And um, I think when you're, you know, you're good mates off the field and you're enjoying your footy, it's um, it's always a kind of good indication of, of a team playing well. And, yeah, we, we had a really good year that year and a lot of guys kind of, went on to bigger and better things and um yeah it was just unfortunate that we uh lost the old trialist grand final yeah yeah we did but you how important a season do you put on um 
you know, in terms of your development, uh, a full year of first grade rugby would have been invaluable for, for what was to come? Yeah, for sure. I think um, it's pretty hard for me to speak um, on guys who kind of graduate straight from schoolboy and, and cults rugby straight into super rugby because I haven't actually experienced so I don't know what it's like. But um, for me, it was – um yeah it was massive just playing against guys older and bigger than me and you know getting used to being battle hardened for a whole season um against guys who are on the fringes of super rugby was um obviously you know you had the nrc season after shoot shield which was which another step up but um yeah to, to play about 20 weeks or whatever it was of um high quality footy for for me in my first full year back after injury was um yeah, it was just all I could have asked for, to be honest. It was, um, yeah, it was really enjoyable. And I think uh, looking back, it definitely prepared me well for Super Rugby the following year. Lucas fires it out to Lane. There's Jerome Fatai. Lovely ball to Reese Hodge into space. Hodge from the corner. There he is. Reese Hodge scores for the corner on a lovely angle and into the hole. Oh, it was a beautiful line, and if anyone was worried about his hip flexor, that should put your mind at ease. Amazing play from the Marlins, and it all started with a carry from Clippy Palu, but it was this man that finished it. Great show of pace from Reese Hodge as he glides away into the corner. It's 23-22, Manly over Uni. NRC cops more bad noise maybe from the from the fans but in terms of player development points um it was it was excellent for you uh, in terms of getting you into that super rugby space wasn't it yeah it was um i think yeah you obviously going up that kind of tier of, of players and playing against guys who have played super rugby um uh, just bridged that gap really well yeah yeah from there you you, you basically Went straight into the Rebels and had a very, very strong uh, strong Super Rugby debut season with the Rebels scoring a bucket load of tries and then um, you found yourself in a, in a test debut. So they use the term Wallaby Bolter uh, a fair bit and have for a long time, but mate, that was a just a, a jet propulsion in terms of where you were in 2015 playing a shoot-shield grand final to playing a test match against the All Blacks. must have been um, quite the, the journey in 12 months. Yeah, it was. I think uh, no one obviously expects that to happen to them. And, um, you know, I obviously went down to Melbourne trying to make the most of it but with no real expectations, just kind of, you know, whatever kind of happened was going to happen. And um, obviously lucky enough to make my debut in round one after um, a pretty good preseason, got through it mostly injury-free, which was um, obviously pretty grateful for and uh, managed to get the opportunity from the coaching staff Um I think looking back on my career to this date, um, Tony McGahn, who was the the Rebels head coach um, for my first couple of years, was was a massive influence on my career. I think um, just was drove the standards very heavily at training, and um, you knew exactly where you stood and exactly what he expected of you um, as a young player coming through. And um, yeah, obviously was got pretty lucky on debut to have a couple of tries handed to me there on a silver platter and. Um, mm. Yeah, I guess from there um, was also lucky that um, Mikey Harris from the Rebels picked up an injury um, just before the June series. So actually got kind of brought in for him as injury cover and uh, yeah, ended up getting my chance through a couple of more injuries um, throughout the kind of the rugby championship and yeah, ended up making my debut in Wellington. Um in, in the second Bledisloe, which was obviously very unexpected. But, um, yeah, it was obviously 
every time you get a chance to pull on the the gold jersey is, is a privilege and the first time is just that extra little bit more special, especially having my family over there for the game. So it's a good way you put it. I mean, um, you obviously put yourself in a position to take advantage of opportunities that arise. and But there is, is certainly always a um, an element of sliding doors and, as you say, a bit of luck sometimes around injury. But, you know, once you get there and, you know, yours came quite quickly, It's um, you want to hang around, don't you? Yeah, for sure. I think it's easy to be overwhelmed sometimes by the occasion. But um, I think something that I probably, looking back, that I did quite well was just to – um, I guess not get caught up in the whole kind of fairy tale um, of the whole thing. Just realize that you're, you know, just as important to the team as, as the other 22 players in the in the team on game day. And just, I guess, having guys around me that just did their job and trusted me to do my job really helped. Um, and I guess you, you start to feel a part of the team once you contribute to the result. Um, and, you know, you go through the tough times together at training, put the hard work and, and the sweat and the blood and the tears in and, um, yeah, you obviously feel a part of the team as you kind of consolidate your spot. Yeah, and you uh, you didn't have much time to uh, to settle into things. I think you had a shot at shot at penalty goal uh, over fifty out against in your first test against the All Blacks. Were you nervous taking that one, mate? Um, I actually can't remember. Didn't look that. like you were. <laughs> no, I think I was more excited to be honest. I think obviously came on and after about twenty five minutes when. Um, Adam Ashley Cooper got a bit of a head knock, so I wasn't expecting to be on that early um, or at all, to be honest. And then kind of the, the opportunity came up and uh, I was like, you know, I can kick this. So, um, yeah, put my hand up and ended up going over, which was lucky. So from his own side of halfway, distance wow. is not a problem. That is a massive kick. <laughs> 15 points to nine. I think you were coming off the uh, viral video at Manly Over with Sam Lane where you kick one from 70 metres out with the uh, massive southerly behind you. So the pressure was on, I guess. Yeah, that's it, mate. The, the breeding ground down at Manly. <laughs> well, that's what the uh, pressure that social media puts on you and you post these things, you gotta, you got to back it up. But fortunately, you did and you did well. So, uh, mate, you, um, you've come just come off the uh, World Cup, which was obviously uh, a bittersweet time for you, uh, Getting there, it must have been um, reliving, you know, or, or living a, out of childhood uh, fantasy, playing at the World Cup, the biggest stage, and then obviously, um, you know, getting embroiled in, you know, controversial circumstances regarding you, obviously, suspension for the tackle, but with a lot of noise around world rugby at that stage. Your reflections on the World Cup? Uh, yeah, obviously, it was uh, pretty frustrating for me, but um, take that out of it. Um, just to have the buzz around around the country. Obviously, it was my first World Cup, and uh, I think I was about you know eight or nine when when the two thousand and three World Cup was was in Australia, and and had really fond memories of the kind of festival atmosphere and um, the whole kind of vibe around the country at the time. Um, and it's obviously it's a bit different over in Japan as as it is in Australia. Um, back then, rugby was obviously pretty big back then, but but there was a, a massive buzz and. Um, yeah, just have, you know, hundreds of or thousands of fans kind of turning up to watch us at training and, you know, travelling around the city and there's um, Japanese rugby fans that just love the game so much and are so polite and so welcoming. Um, and I guess just to just take out, take out the rugby, it was, um, yeah, just a real buzz and, and an amazing experience just to be over there at that time. 
Um, if you if you guys go towards the rugby, it was disappointing, obviously, to uh, bow out in the quarterfinals. We felt like we had quite a good chance against England and kind of came back into it in the second half and then kind of faded again. So, um, yeah, obviously disappointing to let ourselves and, and the fans back home down by um, going out in the quarters. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's obviously an amazing experience and definitely be better for it going forward. Yeah, it certainly gives you motivation for, for the next one and obviously you must be reassured that you're looking like you, you're going to be a big part of that. By the time the next World Cup um, comes around, you obviously uh, started becoming a, a senior player in that seat. Is You're obviously a bit of a leader yourself in the way you sort of um, apply yourself to training and, and, and you know, your work ethic. Um, is leadership and captaincy something that, um, you know, I know you've done that in the past, but as your professional career steps in, uh, it starts to take more shape as something you, you consider moving forward? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you you really do have to be ready to be captain. Um, it's probably something that I've um, learnt over the past few years. Um, actually kind of got a few chances um, to, to captain the Rebels back in 2017 when um, Nick Sturzacker and Sean McMahon were both injured. And looking back, I was definitely too inexperienced and too young to do as good a job of that as, I, as I'd want to. Um, yeah. But... Um, yeah, I think I've I've had the opportunity to learn from some from some great captains over the past few years, and um, I think what I'm trying to do, I guess, over this year and, and the past couple of years, is really just to keep learning, keep taking as, as much information um, in as possible, and then yeah, hopefully one day in the next few years, um, I'll be able at a point, I guess, where um, hopefully the coaching staff and myself feel comfortable where I could take on more of a leadership role. Um, yeah. I feel like my job at the moment, especially down at the Rebels, um, is to support, you know, Dane Halepetti, who's obviously doing a great job as captain. And um, there's a group of, you know, five or six of us who um, are really good at bouncing ideas off each other, uh, using each other's experiences, both positive and negative, to, I guess, get the best direction for the team going forward. So I think we're in a really good space down at the Rebels at the moment. Um in terms of no one, you know, being above head and shoulders above the rest of the squad, I think we work together really well um, to get the best outcome for the team. So, yeah, I, I guess the long-winded answer is, yeah, I'd love to down the track, um, but ha- very happy to, to play second or third or fourth fiddle at the moment. Yeah, your versatility as a player, obviously um, it's a huge, uh, huge uh, benefit to you. Is it, is it sometimes a burden though, obviously, when you when you want to lock in a position, are you are – you, preferring one position or the other or are you still uh still looking around to, to offering that versatility to the team i mean where's your headspace in that where do you see yourself playing moving forward uh it's a tough question to be honest i think obviously um to have had experience in you know from 10 through to 15 mm-hmm. over the past four or five years of international rugby is definitely gonna um help my game out has helped my game out um to this point and you learn such different skill sets you learn kind of what other positions want from you when you're kind of in the other. So, you know, say if I'm playing playing wing, you, you understand what your 10 or your 12 or your 15 wants from you, both in attack and defence and, and vice versa. So I think it's really helped my my understanding of the game as a whole over the past few years. But, um, yeah, in saying that, I think I definitely do, over the next two to three years, want to consolidate a position um in Super Rugby, whatever that product looks like going forward. And then, you know, you obviously got to earn your position in the national squad year to year. So um, for me, I think the best way to do that is to 
play consistent rugby in a consistent position. So um, I, do, I do like being uh, close to the ball and, and involved. Obviously, growing up playing 10 as a, you know, through till I was 20, 21, um, it's, it's sometimes tough kind of hanging out um, in the wider channels waiting for guys to make decisions when you're used to making them yourself. So, um, yeah, I think I think over the the next, you know, one to two years, I'd definitely like to, you know, jump back into 10 or 12 or 15 um, if uh, yeah, if I'm, if I'm playing good enough rugby and um, the coaches feel that I'm suited for those positions. You um you always take time, especially when you're around sort of the local scene, um, to reconnect with uh, previous teammates and uh, junior clubs and, and lots and lots of young players. You obviously see the rugby community and, and staying in touch with them as a, as a massive part of your your job. Yeah, for sure. I think um, looking back as a as a youngster, sort of being a ball boy down at Manly Oval and stuff, and having access to to players like George Smith, who's you know one of the greatest to ever pull on the the Wallabies jersey, you know being down at Manly Oval and just getting a photo or having a chat to him and I don't know how much of an impact it had on me wanting to grow up and play rugby and um, it, it's quite sad, you know, kids these days wanting to grow up and play in the NRL or the AFL or or even soccer these days. So um, I think it, it'll go a long way. Um, the Wallabies winning will go a long way to kind of getting kids back to that point but I think uh, we all have responsibility uh, as professional players to, to really bring that next generation of, of rugby players through and, and want to inspire them to grow up and pull on the gold jersey. So it's it's something that I really feel strongly about. And um, as you said, yeah, whenever I'm home, I'm more than happy to, you know, kick a footy or throw a footy around with a, a young kid who, you know, comes up to me and, and wants to have a chat. So for sure. Yeah. Do you do you miss uh, – I know obviously – Playing a World Cup is pretty special, but do you miss some of the aspects of community rugby and playing club rugby in some respects? You must miss uh, the odd man, the Ringer Derby. Every time you see it played, you probably want to want to get out there and get involved. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you see how much passion that that people have for for their club, and you know you grow up um, bleeding those colours, and um, yeah, you know, even just seeing kids kicking a footy around and when they're not supposed to be on the uh, on the old village green is. Um, one of the best parts of, of the whole kind of atmosphere of the day. Like everyone's just out and about active, enjoying themselves and, um, yeah, to have people who are so heavily invested in club rugby and, you know, guys like Rusty um, at Manly and, you know, all these volunteers who, who just love the, the club so much and um, see the smiles on their faces when you get when you get the win and stuff like that. It's, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be a part of. Yeah, it is very rewarding. Reese, mate, I really appreciate your time. Before you go, uh, you just got to answer the fast five. So, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Best player you have played with? Um, oh, it's not going to be a fast five. Come back to it. Come back to it. Let me think about it. Best player you've marked? <sighs> Jeez, mate, these are tough questions. These aren't fast five questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, last book you've read? Uh, it was Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. You enjoy that? Yeah, great read. What are you watching on Netflix? I uh, just finished The Last Dance and I've been uh, recommended Afterlife by Ricky Gervais, so I might give that a go. Very good. Favourite uh, beach in Sydney? Well, Melbourne, uh, for that matter. Favourite beach? Favourite beach. Uh, Melbourne would be Port Melbourne 
because I can't go outside my neighbourhood, and Sydney would be, I guess it's not really a beach, but Ferry Bower. Mate, coming back, best player you've played with, come on. Well, technically I've played with George Smith for the Marlins my, uh, back in first grade, back in the day, so I'm going to say him. George Smith, beauty. Mate, that'll do it. I'll round it up to a top four. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>